Hey dudes and dudettes, welcome to episode 3 of the Lepreston Guest Podcast. My guest today is a friend and co-worker, Alex Sear. Alex, how you doing today? Doing great, how, how about you? Good, good. I appreciate you uh, avoiding that uh, phone call real quick. You uh, just got, <laughs> got pinged by CarMax? Yeah, um, you know, I'm just trying to take a look at what's out there and what I can get for my vehicle and what's affordable and what's not. What do you currently have right now? And are you getting all types of, are they trying to almost overvalue your car because of chip shortages and stuff right now? Or are you currently in that? Um, I, I think the, the market's just up in a way that, um, you know, every, everything's a little bit overinflated and then I think that has to do with inflation. Oh, really? I had no idea inflation was occurring. Everything yeah. seems so right. status quo. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we live in an interesting time right now where, you know, things are, are blowing up uh, in the East and, uh, you know, we're, we're cutting cu- cutting countries off and trying to find our own oil and yeah, gas yeah. and that. It's and, wild. I just heard, I think it was an NPR or New York Times podcast. I, I try and listen, listen to them because I, I mean... All, all the information you get nowadays is going to be processed and biased. I feel they do a better job than most. Yeah. Um, but that's just my perspective. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I haven't, I don't listen to a whole lot of podcasts, honestly, but um, when I do, it's, it's nice to sit down and just listen and get the information out of this. Yeah. I'm very much at a point now where I think you've got, I think it's important to take away what's important and meaningful to you and not right. just take everything on face value because unfortunately I feel we're at this point in time where I ask my friends this all the time and let's see if you have an answer. How do you know what a fact is anymore? It's hard to say. Uh, you know, you just, you have to do your research. Yeah. And even then, like, uh, when you're, when you're looking online, it's, uh, you know, you really got to kind of scour through and go, okay, is is that actually happening or is that made up? Yeah. And you kind of have to decide for yourself whether, you agree with it or not and if it's is it a fact yeah or and maybe it's not something that you necessarily agree with but it's like okay i need to look into did that actually happen yeah yeah are they actually saying what they mean and or i don't know how to describe that i guess but yeah it's (laughs) it's crazy because obviously we're going through this uh period of misinformation and disinformation and it, it seems like it's possible as soon as more information comes out, something that was considered misinformation could just be simply, oh, we didn't have all the information at the time. Right. Yeah. You know? So they'll, they'll just put snippets out and get a headline, catch your attention. and Yeah. You know, yeah. And that's what's crazy is because. Give you information out of context, too. Yes. That's so, that's so that's another that's big, big issue is I saw um reports and obviously. We know COVID is a very real thing, but just with the salacious nature of news media nowadays, you know, you have the old sayings going back to old time newsrooms. If it bleeds, it leads. That just shows you how we'd rather, I wouldn't say we'd rather, but we're more natural. We naturally gravitate towards the really headline grabbing type stuff, not just um, all the boring stuff that may be more helpful and pertinent to our everyday lives. Yeah, that's a... It's a deep con, uh, deep subject to get into. So, yeah, uh, it's tough. I um, I just try and live my life, be the be the best person I yep, can, and yeah. um, I think it's important to not not put yourself in a position to where you are dependent on the government to get you out of a right. situation. Yeah. Really, anyone, not just the government, you know. Exactly, and I, I think that's a big uh, that's a big thing for me in my life is just trying to be the best 
version of me that I can be and, uh, you know, speak for myself and understand for myself and don't let others necessarily sway, sway me one way or another and just understanding. Yeah. I did um a real yeah, um, focus. yeah I did a real bad job in my um early twenties of uh, letting emotion dictate how I felt about an argument and sometimes that can correlate to where you're you're, you're right but oftentimes uh, especially me being Philadelphia and Italian uh, those emotions just override me and I just don't even <laughs> bother looking into the whole story and I just get bent out of shape over nothing and then when I read into it look into it further it's just like oh this actually isn't that big of a deal. Right. once you dig into it but <laughs> yeah that's just the way of the world so uh what kind of car are you looking for uh so i'm looking at something just really just affordable economical as far as gas mileage uh with prices going up it's you know important for me to do that especially with where the company's moving yeah it'd be a farther drive for us and uh yeah it's because i'm so i want to watch out for myself in the future is so i've been looking at a toyota camry Oh, or or a Honda Accord yep. or maybe like a Mazda six something something along those lines full size sedan that's... just one of those that if you do basic upkeep and maintenance you're getting like ten fifteen years almost minimum it yep. seems and uh, you know I've I've had a couple turbo vehicles and I've had a lot of issues with those so I'm looking to get away from something that's turbocharged I know it has a lot of uh, there are a lot of benefits but there are also you know cons pros and cons to that that come, mm -hmm. that come with the turbo so what is it i'm not somebody who is big or knowledgeable about cars and when i hear turbo i just probably wrongfully just go automatically go to fast and the furious like nitrous right. what's <laughs> what's the whole concept of turbo um yeah so, let's just start with that what's the whole concept of turbo uh, as far as i understand which i'm not like a huge car guy either i just know that um with a turbo, it's like a, tur a turbocharger or a supercharger. It is a, a mode of forced induction. So you're forcing more air into the engine. And with more air, you can use more fuel and create more power. As far as, like, that's the basic uh, understanding okay. that I So have. in a way, you're sacrificing fuel economy for more power? Is that kind of one of the basic trade-offs? Not necessarily. So there's there's oh. turbochargers that and superchargers that... And usually, I think a supercharger is more for power versus economy and turbochargers can be tuned to a way that you get more fuel efficiency because you can create more power with less uh, displacement yeah less like smaller cylinders what i'm trying to say now it's um still early in the um overall i guess life of electric vehicles but how are they doing um power wise in terms of power i again I, just not knowing a lot about cars i naturally think if you had your druthers right. a gas would be more powerful than electric is that where it's at right um, now um i mean some might think that way but i think that uh, like tesla and... right an electric vehicle so it's just the power delivery is completely different so it's instant with electricity you, so you have instant torque basically you don't have to wait for your engine to build power and create that torque and then spin the automatic transmission or manual transmission if that's what you have and you you can get off the line like that because you, you're the electric motors directly drive the wheels where i mean there might be some gearing in there i don't really know a whole lot about that um but i know that you know you got instant torque so you're gonna, it's gonna feel a lot punchier yeah and i think that overall Especially with the Tesla. Try and scoot a little, little bit closer to the mic. Especially with the Tesla. Yeah. Um, Perfect. Have you ridden one? 
I have. I uh, wrote in, in Thomas's before, and it was... It's incredible. It's it, ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> One, I, I didn't even realize we were moving. Like, I just started seeing... Yep. We were parked. It was me and Merck. We were parked, and there's a curve in front of us, and I'm like, oh my god, somehow this entire row of cars has just started to move forward, and I didn't realize it was so quiet yep. that we're actually backing up. Yep. It's it's a, it's a weird sensation, because you, you don't hear hardly any sound. You just hear road noise from the tires, and if you even hear that, because I know the insulation is pretty good on Teslas, so it's pretty quiet in the cabin. Yeah, so. and they're also pretty safe vehicles aren't they in terms of their crash rating and everything yeah they are uh the, the only thing that i would be concerned about is all that lithium on board yeah uh, if you do get in a bad enough accident it you know it could you know battery fires are a thing but i think that's a small concern overall versus the actual safety of like who's in it and, and what's going on because most crashes don't happen at extreme speeds um, and maybe that's wrong i don't know that for, for yeah. a fact uh, <laughs> yeah um it's another thing you'd have to go and research that yeah it's it's wild what he's doing with tesla and it's so funny that did you know he's a big fan of the movie Spaceballs? um i did well yeah Elon's, it makes sense because yeah. the whole ludicrous speed yeah I and didn't, i didn't realize that. apparently that quite a bit of the cars can actually be improved performance wise but he is such a big fan of space balls and wants to keep stuff just to like honor that movie right. and stuff and has just vetoed upgrades that are going to make the vehicle perform better because he's like, Nope, I'm, I want this to say ludicrous speed, ludicrous, <laughs> ludicrous mode on. Yeah. So that's uh, engaged. That's one of the all time great movies I've ever seen. Yeah. One of the funniest movies I've ever seen. It, it was good. I, you know, that's the first like really funny slapstick, comedy movies i watched i think i was eight or nine years old yeah and i was went over to my friend's house and he's like have you ever seen space balls and i'm like what's this space balls yeah you're what are you, space balls you go through the mel brooks genres <laughs> yeah. uh, blazing saddles and history of the world and uh he was a he was a genius i really enjoyed it but um so just kind of almost looking at your standards band gotta keep gas mileage yeah well and, and i wish you know, we were moving I, north i would like to get a tesla but um it's you know the starting price is like 35 or 40 grand i believe and that's just it's out of my price range yeah with uh just with the way my finances are so yeah i'm looking for something a little bit older you know good just basically just good gas mileage and can fit people in it <laughs> god i am um, one of my good girlfriends uh yesterday i was chilling i was chilling with her about a week ago and we watched this new show called van go and it's essentially pimp my ride just with vans with conversion <laughs> vans and it's a uh, wild I, I turned jackson onto like that van life yeah kind of, kind of, yeah kind of situation and now i think i turned jackson onto that and he's probably going to go down the natural jackson rabbit hole where he just looks into that right pretty deep for a while <laughs> yep <laughs> but um yeah, I would um, I'd, I'd I'd have a hard time see him giving up the the sauna that he has at his place. Yeah, uh, I haven't you know he haven't he hasn't talked to me a whole lot about that, but I uh, I know he really enjoys that and working out and that kind of stuff. Yeah, the animal based diet is yeah. always a good thing. Yeah, I um, I'm trying to do um more um meat and fruit. That's where I'm trying to get Focus, to yeah. right now. I'm trying to just get through all of the food that I have that is like extra in my chest freezer and stuff and go through that first and then mm -hmm. really just hone in on a meat and fruit diet. Cause I've done the carnivore diet twice for two months. 
right um two separate months that is and it was the most energy and most weight i've ever lost i've I've never had more energy never lost weight quicker you know it's it's incredible what you can get out of eating just just those basic things like most people are like oh if you're gonna have chicken or steak and you're gonna have a couple sides with that like you, you want mac and cheese you want maybe uh broccoli or green beans or something like that but uh, you know, those aren't, they're not necessarily bad for you, but it's kind of like, what nutrition am I really getting out of that? Yeah. So, and it's not that you um don't get all the nutrition. It's the, I think the quantity of yeah. those nutrients that you need and the amount of broccoli you would have to eat to get some of the nutrients that grass-fed beef would have is right. a preposterous amount. It, yeah. It's, <laughs> you, you wouldn't be able to eat it all. It wouldn't yeah, all fit in your Yeah. Stomach. You basically got, you have to become an elk. Yeah. <laughs> and just just eat broccoli all day every day it's yeah. it's ridiculous yeah it's um again we started off talking about misinformation and it's crazy what we're now starting to find out about food and nutrition and yeah. it's wild that it seems like within the past 10 years we figured that oh hey fat's not so much the evil that we thought it was as it is sugars right in terms of weight gain and, and uh processed carbs and or I don't know how they I'm trying to think of the the words to what they call that. It's uh it, it's like clean carbs versus cuz it like potato, a potato has Are you talking about complex it. versus um simple yeah, carbs? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, that's which I should that's simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but, it seemed complex. So, <laughs> right. you know, so the double-edged sword. Anyway, um yeah, so I've been trying to stick to this uh just started uh about a week ago. Um it's been hard Especially like biscuits and like sausage biscuits and gravy. Do you think, um, do you think it's certain foods that present the biggest challenge for you or is it, um, certain states of mind, um, a combination of both? I think it's just readily available, simple carbs that are like, uh, like in biscuits and bread and, um, I don't know, donuts. Yeah. And that's the double-edged sword about, um, working at our yeah, our job. Yeah, especially. Those, those breakfasts, they're, I love them. Yeah, and it, it's like a love hate relationship is what it's turning into. It's like, oh man, I really want to have that Chick Fil A biscuit, but that Chick Fil A biscuit has got all kinds of um, oils and who knows what else. And I don't know how they cook. Yeah, it, you know. Yeah, uh, but I know they have they. As far as I understand, they they cook their Chick Fil A's and I think it's peanut oil. Peanut oil. Yep. I think it may be. And I think there's uh, a good amount of processed stuff in the breading. Uh, that, that makes it cheap to make. So, you know, yeah, that's it's a business. It's not a we're not trying to make people. Healthier. Yeah, they're, we're, yeah, we're they're trying to make people happy. Yeah. And, and they're happy with their Chick-fil-A. Biscuits. It's a business that was developed in the heart of the South. And um, <laughs> we uh, just love cooking everything in the unhealthy, unhealthiest oils and butters. And yeah. um it's crazy because it's not like we need to fatten up to get through any brutal winters down here. If right. anything, it should be the opposite. <laughs> right. It's like you need to take weight off because summer's coming and you're going to be dealing with 98 degree temperatures with about 142% humidity. So yeah. buckle up. Yeah. And there's there's nothing wrong with Chick-fil-A. I love me some Chick-fil-A. Uh, it's delicious, but um, that's where it'll get you. Yeah. It's uh, what, how it makes you feel afterwards Yeah, that you have to focus on when you're trying to do a diet or um, you know, just just cut down. You got to focus on really what mm-hmm. what nutritional value am I actually getting out of this meal? 
Yes, because in terms of just calories, again, I've said this to people before. If your goal is to lose weight, then it's a simple math problem is the calories the calories you burn have to be more than the calories you intake right. in terms of just losing weight it's as simple as, as simple as that simple not easy yes. now you could do that by eating chick-fil-a every day but then you'll lose the weight but my guess is some other health areas are probably gonna start to right you're gonna get to have a little bit of an imbalance in different areas and i don't know what those would be because uh, i haven't tried that before but <laughs> yeah it's just not it's like it's uh, not super good. size me yeah i've, n- I've never seen that but it's um it's wild it's um, it's absolutely wild and um nutrition is something that um i almost finished out my degree in nutrition but i figured um i wanted to use a degree i wanted to get my degree and use it to help myself and help people out and not that you can't do that with nutrition but for nutrition I'm I'm more concerned about what it can do for me and not necessarily becoming like a nutritionist or a health coach or anything, you know? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that um, it's something that's very interesting and something that's overlooked, especially in our like education system. I don't think that people are um, educated properly on, you know, how and maybe properly is not even the right word, but there's just so many options out there and everyone's different. So what works for you might not work for me. That's that's the key for me is um excuse me is people put out this um whatever the trendy diet is at that point in time and they throw it out like oh hey keto it's going to work for everyone no problem at all. Right. Uh carnivore diet it's going to work for everybody no problem at all. Vegan it's going to work for everybody no problem at all. And with the carnivore diet I've got we've got a buddy at work who has reactions to meat. You know, yeah. and it's not even I don't believe it's a cultural or religious thing. I think it's just physically the body is not reacting well to it. Right. And at that point, maybe you don't need to do a carnivore diet, you right. know? Yeah. <laughs> Got to find something else that, you know, and maybe he doesn't I don't know who's who that is, but maybe he doesn't need to lose weight. Maybe he's, you know, at a good, good point where he feels like I'm healthy. I'm happy and I get my exercise and. Yeah live my life yeah i think (laughs) as generally as long as if you're honest with yourself and you truly are starting to feel better and improve and you're making good healthy lifestyle choices chances are you're you're going to be on the right track you know chances are again if we if we just pounded a chick-fil-a diet i think i could say (laughs) especially during it i can be like i'm i'm great this feels awesome i i feel great but if i keep doing that day in day out weekend you know week out I'm I'm going to be telling a lie most likely. Right. I'm going to Eventually. be telling a lie most likely, or I'm doing some type of barbaric workouts that somehow offset right that, <laughs> that the amount of Chick Fil A you're having. Yep. Yeah. So, and you know, back with with healthy choices. You know, we we started walking, doing our lunch walks. And I love our I, our walking. Group. Oh my goodness, this is fantastic choice. I think that um, you know is overlooked, and you know it's, it's easy to just bust out a a thirty minute walk. And just, it's, it's not taxing or, you know, it's just a choice that it, it's like, okay, well, you know, I don't think I'm going to get a whole lot of gains out of it as far as uh, physique or anything like that, but it, it does burn some calories and that helps everyone stay on track. Yeah. It's crazy, especially because uh, you and I both have a uh, Garmin watches. Does yours uh, track calories burned? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's yeah. crazy just when I have a day of a lot of steps, even if I don't do anything else working out wise, if I have a day where I'm around like 
15,000, 18,000 steps, it feels like 3,000 calories is almost automatically going to be burned. Yeah. <laughs> you know. That's probably about right. I um, went on a four-mile walk yesterday, and I think it tracked something like 690 calories, which I'm like, wow, that's that was more than my whole breakfast. Yeah. And I wasn't hungry afterwards. I was just like, well. I just burned off my whole breakfast without really thinking about it. Yeah, sometimes the activities that I think are going to really be calorie burning aren't always that way. And then it's, like you said, walking, it's something simple. And then you look down at your watch, you're stunned with how many calories you burned. Yeah. <laughs> so, especially when, man, we very, we only get a few weeks of it. But when Georgia gets spring and fall weather, it's some of the prettiest oh, weather goodness. I've been a part of it. It's but fantastic. then it goes right to the extremes too quick. Right. It's yep. a problem. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, you know, and this nutrition, health, wellness, um, exercise, something I've always struggled with in my life. Uh, always been a bigger guy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really trying to nail this down and focus on it. It's, obviously, it's not like it is something that's in my, you know, mission. Yeah, my goal, one of my goals, but I also have other responsibilities I have to take care of and make sure that those things don't fall to the wayside because of it. Yeah. So. And for me, I need to do a better job of just reminding myself, one, not trading off short term gains for, you know, the long term. I need to do a better job of reminding myself that and also just typically reminding myself, just have a conversation with myself when I want to maybe have that extra cup of coffee that might disrupt my sleep patterns later that night or right. eat the Chick-fil-A breakfast. Just you're, you're dealing with discomfort. It's just a little bit of discomfort yep. and we happen to be, to get used to being hungry every once yeah, in a while. Yeah. And I mean, there are people in, in parts of the world that know what true hunger is like. Right. Yeah. You know, and they, they might not even know when their next meal is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are still people who live in hunter gatherer tribes. So it's wild, but yeah, nutrition. I would love to, well, I would love to figure out what their diet is and, and compare that to what we're trying to do with the animal based diet and, you know, ground beef, steak, uh, chicken yeah, Did... and, and raw milk and, and things like that. And just compare it's obviously, I don't think raw milk would be like readily available to them. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're blessed to live here and, have a place where we can go and, and get those things you know it's funny and i know uh jackson's big into the raw milk and i think no matter what evidence or data you presented to me i might just one my body just has never naturally liked milk i just that's fair don't like and, milk yeah and like some people can't like it's yeah. not their they're the they can't process it i'm pretty sure i have a um a lactose deficiency. I don't think I'm just completely intolerant. At least I um, force myself to just get through some cheese. Cheese is just one that <laughs> whenever people talk about dairy and stuff like that, and I oftentimes hear vegans get in trouble with it. They're like, yeah, I'm about 95% vegan. I was like, what's the 5%? They're like, cheese. <laughs> yeah. Cheese. Yep. Some people really love cheese. You get me a cheese pizza and I will just go yeah. bananas on that. But you know, everyone's different and I've never really even liked pizza. So. Wow. Yeah. Uh, pizza is one of the things I, I've, I love pizza from the, since I was a child and my, my dad's big and he has pizza like at least once a week, probably. Right. Um, and it's been something that I'm like, as I've gotten older, um, you know, I, I still love to eat pizza, but 
what it does to me afterwards i'm like i do not yeah. feel good <laughs> yeah and that's <laughs> why i'm like this is probably not good for me to be yeah. eating that yeah it's not and um i again the double-edged sword about being fortunate enough to work for a company that we do is they take great care of associates and right. i know tomorrow we've got 45 pizzas and probably 20 oh, or yeah. 20 20 yeah 20 to 30 pies yeah. coming in you know yeah that's gonna be great i always enjoy that so i'm gonna have to find something uh something to eat alternatively yeah i think <laughs> i'm gonna um because i still want to be part of the the event but yeah so my game plan is i'm going to have um excuse me some of my my chicken sausage and blueberries for breakfast um my plain chicken breast and i think i've got some cauliflower rice i need to make and consume before it goes bad i'm going to do that and then try and just uh reward myself with just the slightest sliver of a um pie yeah again <laughs> a little bit yeah i've never really naturally yeah. liked pizza. yeah i've never really naturally liked pizza but um mellow mushroom is a is a different beast it's a gourmet pizza so were we talking about pizza um yeah we're we were just uh talking about pizza right. so and again i don't naturally really like pizza but mellow mushroom is some pretty good yeah it's one of those gourmet pizza oh, yeah uh the first time i had it was down at, at work actually it was one of the i think i think ghost Ravi had brought it in it was uh i don't remember actually yeah now <laughs> What, but, um, what's the deal with, because you've spent some time up in Detroit in the Michigan area, right? Yeah. You're kind of a Midwest guy originally. Yep. What's what's the whole concept be, be, behind Detroit pizza? Because apparently that's a thing. Yeah, Detroit pizza is a thing. It's uh, mostly deep dish. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had Jets, Jets pizza. That is a Detroit style. And they're, they're from Detroit, as far as I understand. It's like classic um, style of pizza for them so do you know what differentiates it from chicago style pizza because i thought chicago was deep dish as well correct so i think that it's the shape the square so is detroit the square. square yep um yeah i i mean i like jets pizza too yeah it's it's it's, pizza, so, it's all good it's, it's so just, funny it's how not... we'll be so fickle about stuff like that yep like if we made deep dish and put it in a triangle could we start calling that marietta pizza sure yeah. I don't see why not. Yeah. We could we could call it uh Atlanta style. Yeah, Atlanta style. <laughs> just it's a triangle now. Yeah. Instead of a square or a circle. Just rip them off. Just rip them off. So um I know you're uh in the market trying to find out about a new car, but you've been flying lately? Yeah, I've been flying a little bit of doing some RC planes. I really dug deep into it. Um since december you know some that's people... what you got at the christmas party right no actually really i got the garmin one. Oh yeah yeah christmas yeah party. garmin uh, gang went through i i swear there were like five or six garmin watches there were i think yeah whereas i think the year i got my garmin watch i think that was the only one yeah uh, I tried to get one at the first Christmas party I went to. Sorry. And then last... Sorry. Oh, no, wait. That was I wasn't. That was I wasn't. I wasn't the yeah. first Christmas party. Yeah, I was ready before. I, I uh, ended up with right the electric scooter, which I might have to start taking to work soon. Oh, I thought that was Dotson <laughs> that got that. Yeah. I heard the wrong Alex. Yep. So you won that uh, scooter that was back in production and everything? Yep. Uh, <sighs> That's it's a, a fun little little scooter, but... Uh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't used it in a while, actually, but... I am so happy we're scaling up and we're experiencing great growth. Um, we're kind of in almost the opposite position of a lot of businesses where during the pandemic, we were experiencing growth. Yep. Um, one thing I am a little bit bitter about that the growth has 
kind of taken away is the fact that we no longer have scooters in the building. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things, you know, it comes down to safety and I understand it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, I had it's... a few fun times on, <laughs> we, the, on the scooter in the building. We all did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're we're experiencing such rapid growth that until we get to the new build, we're, we're doing whatever we can to find space. We just brought in essentially two or three mobile homes to make a little off-site office building right next to us in the yeah. gravel lot. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see how that turns out. It should be um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Now, when's the last time you've actually gone up in a plane and flew? Because you, are you still in oh, the process of working did, on your I, pilot's license? Well, no. Um, in 2019, when I, when I moved down here, I found out that the company offered that. And I was like, well, that's a great opportunity for me to you know, try and get my pilot's license and see where that can take me. Um, so I got about, I think I had 16 or 17 hours in the, in the 177. How many hours do you, is, is part of the requirement just getting a bunch of airtime and hours under your belt? Yes, you but get... there's, there's also some, some milestones you have to make it through. Sure. So that first milestone is soloing and the total amount of hours you have to get is the minimum is 40. Most people, it takes about 50 hours. To and that's with, that that's point. with the co-pilot. That's with an instructor. Yep. Uh, CFI is what they call them. Certified flight instructor. Yeah. Now, when you're with a, a CFI, if they need to at any point, can their controls override yours? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So they'll, yeah. they'll be the dominant there, control, right? Yep. There's, uh, you know, there's two yokes in each, in, in the front of a plane. So in the, cockpit. the pilot and the co-pilot have the same controls. Yep. And they can, if they push the rudder to the right more than you are, they're in control. Yep. Yeah. Or, so, you know ailerons or pull back on the yoke and you got your elevators or back yeah. and forth anyway what was it like the first time you went up and you were in the the cockpit and you were actually in the so-called driver's seat what was what was that like uh it was very interesting so at, at the time the radio on the co-pilot side did not work so the instructor <laughs> couldn't make any of the radio calls so here i am you know the first time i've really flown at a real airport by myself without like my dad or which my dad's a pilot. I should probably preference that. So okay. this is not like the first time I've ever been in a plane. Was that his main profession or did he just get certified and it's yeah. a hobby of his? Yep. yep. He's uh he's been a pilot for 30 years. He went to Purdue for that. Oh, and, hey, my uh, alma mater. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what, what kind of shirt? I almost broke out the Shakira shirt today, Yep. but uh, decided to do my alma mater. Well, uh, shout out to Papa Sear for being yep. another Purdue guy. <laughs> yep. He, uh, he flies, uh, commercial jets. And when I say that, most people are like, Oh, fly like 737, 747. I'm like, well, Think like small business jets. Commercial yeah, when you said style. jet, commercial yeah. is probably not the right word, but it is. You know, he's got like a commercial yeah. license and, and an ATP, and that's what. If gets you had you said there. commercial plane, I would have thought Boeing, and he's just like a pilot for an right. airline. He but flies, when you said jet, I was like, oh, that's... Cessna Citations. They're uh, it's like a ten seater, twelve seater jet, yeah. and uh, he's looking actually to move into a, a Challenger soon. So. Oh wow. He's excited about that. Are smaller planes typically not as safe as commercial ones uh the puddle jumpers like yeah. uh we'll say planes stuff like that i wouldn't say they're less safe i think the the most dangerous thing about flying is actually landing yeah yeah because you got to control your speed when you're coming in you don't want to land too fast i've heard the same thing wanna, about parachuting you don't want to uh, start porpoising you have to really focus on the control and then if you have a crosswind then things start to get a little complicated because you kind of have to you have to what they call it crabbing into the wind 
and you have to crab into the wind and then right before you land you got to straighten out the plane with the rudder and and set down nice and easy so it's it can F. be challenging <laughs> f that yeah <laughs> i was at a buddy's a few months ago where he's just hanging out shooting pool watching some football and um his brother's friend was over and he's trying to get his pilot's license and here's the thing about pilots that just i'm always just blown away by they just say stuff so nonchalantly that in other settings it's just like he's like yeah so we're just up there practicing for flight and one of the things i had to do was just shut off the engine and i'm like yeah i'm so yes like were you grounded he's like no, no, no. in the sky i was like yep. what yep yep that doesn't That's, compute uh, that like i would never think about just driving down 75 at 80 miles an hour and be like all right Let's see what this Colorado can do. That's and right. just <laughs> We're going to the coast from here. <laughs> Godspeed. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. That's, that's one of the first things that they have you practice, actually, is uh, they'll take you up. You go do some, you know, tra training you on, like, turning. and So do, defying do, death doing, is what they have you practice, they call, essentially. Right. Coordinated <laughs> turns. And then then we'll go, okay, let's, uh, let's stall. Let's try stall on this plane. Let's see what happens. So... You pull the power all the way back. You start pulling back on the stick until you slow it. You're slowing down, slowing down, slowing down, and you'll you'll feel it start to shudder a little bit, and then the nose just dives. And then you're like, oh, that was the stall. And then you go full power and recover from your stall. And that's what the, they're they're trying to train you to learn how to recover from a stall. So if you're ever in the situation where that happens to you, you know, it, and it can happen pretty easily if you're if you're turning, you're actually going to stall fat at a higher speed than you would if you were no, like level, wings level. Why is that? Uh, it's because the amount of lift that the wing creates, it changes as you're... Because your, your lift, so the lift, instead of being directly up when your wings are level, now your lift is, going, is at an angle because the lift is always stays with the wings. So as you like bank right, your uh, your lift goes right with the wings. So if you're at a 45 degree turn to the right, you're banked to the right, your lift is 45 degrees. So the amount of lift holding you up and fighting against gravity is basically half of what yeah. it would be if you were wings level. That's that's crazy. Yep. I, I used to love just getting on planes and flying, but as I became older, I just became such a nervous flyer um i'll i'll do it now no problems and i notice a lot of my nervousness oftentimes comes when i'm going east to west or west to east coast yeah. not so much north or south south to north hmm. interesting yeah i'm not sure if i've just had um more turbulent flights that's then. that's usually what gets people is you know it, when you hit some wind and some turbulence the plane goes up and down it drops it can drop fast or pull you up and it really moves you in your seat and you feel that movement and you're in force oh, and you're yep. like oh my I've goodness had one what of those is happening yep i've had one of those drops where your stomach just falls out yep. and you're like yeah like, this, this was a smooth flight yeah <laughs> and we hit that the worst part is um some of my most turbulent flights have been when i was a chaperone and so kids are coming up to me they're like hey Bo my nickname at camp was Bobo. they're like hey bobo i'm scared i was like well that makes two of us, but yeah. you have to like put on this brave right. face because you're looking at an eight-year-old. They're like, what are we going to do now? It's like, hey, you got your cell phone on you? They're like, yeah. I was like, well, go back to your seat. Tell your parents it's it's not looking great. It's not looking great. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a little bouncy. But thank them for these beautiful eight years we had. And um, 
let's just try and make the best of it. Right. <laughs> We're going to get there. And, you know, I think that um, it, it scares people, but at the end of the day, it's still safer. It's the safest way to travel. Yeah. And there's, so I, there's no traffic right necessarily right in front of you. There aren't yeah. stoplights or anything like that. Now there are, there is a good amount of traffic in the air. You got to watch out for other planes, but yeah. a lot of the traffic controllers and the, and the way that the FAA regulates those flight routes, mm-hmm. um, usually you don't run into any issues. Yeah. And I do know statistically that it is uh, safer than, um, than a car, mm-hmm. just basically almost any other mode of transportation. But what I would always uh, counter my buddy with, and he used to, um, go around to hospitals and do inventory on their pharmaceuticals, make sure they had the right amount that they said they did. And he would fly all the time. And he told me the same thing. I was like, yeah, my issue is though, once you're up in the air, if there is an issue and you do crash, you probably have a better chance walking away from a car crash than you do a plane crash once you're in the air. That is fair. Yeah. Um, Because once you're in the air, it seems if if the plane crashes more often than not, it feels that it's night, night. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, it gets people. You know, they, they they feel the turbulence and they're like, oh, now they're uncertain. They're like, what's going on? Yeah. And are we going to be all right? Yeah. And then where you know, when you're on the road, you don't have to worry about that as much. Like, it, we hit a bump. It's whatever. You know. Yeah. And then there's also this whole concept of I don't know who's in the cockpit. Right. And I've got to trust this random stranger and hope they've done. <laughs> Everything. And they've had proper training. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> yeah, but I also hope they haven't gone through like a bad divorce or breakup or they didn't lose a loved one. Right. And they're or in hopefully the, they didn't have too many drinks the night before yeah. or yeah. that kind of thing. And, you know, there was, it was an issue at one point that they were they were catching a lot of um, airline pilots. Uh, I know I've heard some stories that, you know, some, some of them will drink. And that's a big no-no for the FAA. And, yeah, and, and companies it's, like that, as soon as you, they get caught, they're fired, and they basically get banned from being able to fly a plane. Yeah, I, 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 I think you should. I'm um, I'm very big in redemption and second chances, but your second chance doesn't need to be in the same venue or avenue, you know, yeah. that it was before. <laughs> it's more that hey, I don't want you to be completely shunned from society. I still right. want you to have a um, have a choice, uh, have a chance of living a full life. I was um. I'm a big college football fan, and they were talking about Art Bryles. He recently got – he was a Baylor head coach that when Baylor football went through a pretty nasty scandal where they were just letting a lot of sexual assaults go unchecked after it was brought to their attention and just found that it was um, one of those what they call an institutional failures where everybody seemed to be complicit, but the head football coach was the face of the program. Right. And he got hired briefly – at um, a historically black college um, a month ago. And of course there was this big uprising and they said, oh, he shouldn't be allowed to coach and stuff. And so they talked about it on the Cover 3 podcast. They're like, what do you think of that? They're like, you have to be able to like go on and live your life. That being said, I wouldn't hire him. And one of the commenters on there said that he shouldn't be allowed to coach college athletics at all. And when they asked him why, he's like, it's a different role when you're coaching college athletes versus pro athletes. Yeah. Whereas college, anytime you, any type of faculty role on a college, you have to accept almost the parental type role. Yeah. That, that's just, well, the, and I think that the, the, in that role, like they probably have a bigger influence on, you know, the students careers in the future and 
who they are as a person and like they might have a bigger influence than on the pro level absolutely absolutely and um he just basically said that you know he showed that he was failed to keep students safe and essentially let a lot of sexual assaults and sometimes even worse go unchecked and you that's that's not that you can't coach football but you should not coach football where student athletes are involved so it's pretty much pro and nothing and when he articulated that way i i agree with him yeah you know but anyway, back to the flying thing. I, I know I was starting to tell my story, you know, it was the first time I'm first time I'm training with an instructor and the, the radio doesn't work. So I have to do all the radio calls and, you know, thankfully he had briefed me on it a little bit and we had a little cheat sheet in the in the cockpit. Is that radio talking to ground control, talking to each other in the cockpit, both? Uh both, but you have to you gotta hold a button down and to talk to the to the, the ground control and then talk to the actual air traffic control tower so you know you, you, you tune to tune to one station you say hey you know november 2384 yankee uh, requesting to taxi north to runway 27 sure and you know it's been a while since i don't i don't really remember all the things that you're supposed to say but there are specific ways that you're supposed to make your radio calls and this is the first time i've ever done it so you know yeah. I, I made a few mistakes and he just kind of turned to me and was like, you're making us look like a couple of idiots. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Sir. I remember having this I'm conversation do, with you when, when we did Kennesaw <laughs> and you're kind of like, yeah, I should be making mistakes. It's my first time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can. Here. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not a professional pilot. Just right off the rip. You right, know, yeah. apparently things are a little bit different from Grand Theft Auto versus real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't just. Turns drop. out Rockstar Games just didn't have it all figured out. Right. You can't just, you know, hop in the, the Cessna and steal it and rip on the throttle and go up in the air like you can on huh, GTA. That's weird. It's almost like new things require a learning curve. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so it was, it was interesting to get up there and get in the air. And um, we had to wait, wait for another plane to get off the taxiway so that we could get on the taxiway and then go out to the, the runway and do our thing. Um, what happens if you lose all comms completely? How, how are you landing it? Uh, well, Cause don't you, awkward because don't you have to like essentially get clearance to land to make sure there's yes, not a lot of traffic to take off and to land. Um, and you got to let them know pretty well in advance so that if there are other planes coming in for a landing that they can coordinate that traffic and get you in the, um, shoot, what are they? I think they just call it the traffic pattern. Mm-hmm. I believe that's what it's called. So you got the upwind is usually on the runway then you got base, you turn left, you get, you're on the base, then you turn left again, you're on the downwind, and then you go all the way down to the other end of the runway, you turn left, then you're on final. Well, it's probably base and then final again. Are there hopefully. certain requirements with how often you have to check in with once you're in the air? Just to almost like know that, hey, every 10 minutes, Alex's plane has to check in with me. I haven't heard Alex in 30 minutes, so I think something's going on. So I'm going to let the other planes know, hey, we may need to just pull you off of landing at this time because we've lost comms with Alex's. Right. So with it, with it, uh, as far as I know with that, um, you do have to check in, but it's mostly within a certain radius. And then when you're coming in for a landing and you let them know and they give you clearance, that's it. You don't have to talk anymore. You just come in, you do your thing and you land. If you lose comms, once you're on the once you're on the ground, you can say, okay, we're we're doing a touch and go. We're going to take back off. Okay. If you lose comms, though, 
what are some of the workthroughs you've heard of like trying to land the bird? If you lose comms completely? Um, you know, I haven't, I don't think I really crossed that bridge. And I think what I just said about the touch and go thing, I'm pretty sure you actually need to let them know beforehand. And then you let them know again that, okay, we're, we're back in the air kind of thing. You can't just on the fly say, oh, we're, we're going to take off again. Or, and maybe, maybe you can, I think maybe you'd have to say, oh, we're, we're going around something, something along those lines. So, Mm um, like I said, it's been a while. Um, but what was your question again? Yeah, like if you just lose comms completely, I'm just figuring right. out, are, are you having to go to you almost just an open field or somewhere where you can just safely land? Anywhere you can safely land. I mean, it can be at an airport, too, if you can make it there. Um, and obviously, if you're landing on a road or somewhere out in the middle of a field, there's no one to be like, hey, we're going to land here, but you're you're going to have to try and, well, you, you're lost comms, so I don't. Yeah, you, there's nobody to talk to. You yeah. can't talk to anybody. Uh, maybe you'd be trying to talk to them, but they wouldn't be able to acknowledge you. Kind of yeah, thing. that's why I was wondering if there's like a certain every 10, 15, 20 minutes you have to check right. in just so ground control and um, air traffic controllers can be like, all right, plane 352 has not checked in in 30 minutes right. and just report to the other planes in the air. Hey, we haven't heard comms from this plane. Right. Basically, what you what you do is you're like, there's air spaces, right? There's different classes of airspace and there's different distances of airspace around certain airports. So you have to watch out for that and plan your trip to be able to check in with those frequencies. Is that based off like whether it's military or commercial? Yes. And what kinds of planes and and that kind of thing. Gotcha. Um, and I, I don't remember what all the classes are for, but I know there's like class B, class C, class D. And I believe there's a class E as well. Um, basically, when you're when you're leaving a, an airspace, you have to say, "Okay, hey, I'm I'm departing your airspace," so that they don't have to worry about you. Yeah. So that they're not worried, like, "Oh, I haven't heard from them in X number of minutes. Like, maybe I need to check in with them." Yeah. Now you, it's your responsibility as a pilot to let them know I'm in your airspace now. And I am planning to land at your airport or I'm planning to just pass over or you have to tell them what your plans are. Now, if you lose comms, are non-military planes allowed to land at military bases under any circumstances such as um, that? Or is that I a think pretty it is, big no-go? It's pretty. It's a pretty big no-go, but in, a, in an emergency situation, I think it is allowed. Yeah, like if Yuma, for example, right, where a lot of those airstrips are military bases. Yeah. Yeah, they would uh, not be so happy with you. Would you have would've... a stern talking to, and, uh, you know, if, if it's an emergency, then they might be a little easier on you. But even then, they're still going to be like, look, you could have picked a better place. Yeah. But that might not be your choice. So they do take that into consideration. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't work for the FAA or really understand a whole lot of what they do, but I, I understand that yes. that's not... And I think... Not saying they're option. not saying they're okay with it, but I think if you're able to show in detail that you exhausted all options and that kind of was the option, yeah. But boy, I I can't imagine how nerve wracking that would be. Yeah. You you'd have to show up to just a bunch of guns and stuff, just Blackhawks, just ready to. Yep, it, that does happen. So you know, I, I've heard a story of where you know you end up landing at somewhere like Dobbins or an Air Force base, and next thing you know, 
I mean, if, if it's an emergency, like maybe you're, you're probably, your engine's done. And that was the closest place you could get to. Yeah. And they're going to meet you at the plane. Oh, yeah. They're coming out there. Who are you? Why yeah. are you here? Yeah. What happened? Why didn't you talk to us? Yeah, I especially? imagine you're probably going to get detained they and stuff. They're not going to be happy. With yeah, that. yeah. You're and they're, they're going to have to. Bad day. <laughs> yeah, and my, my guess is they're going to have to really investigate to make sure, hey, this was the only option right. this person had. Yep. And, they're, they're, I mean, they're not going to, like, they're going to let you go eventually. But yeah. they got to do their due diligence and make sure that you're not uh, doing that uh, under ill will or yeah. trying to do something that you shouldn't have done. Yeah. So when you fly, do you fly out of McCollum? Yeah. Have you yep, ever that's been where to... that plane's based. Have you ever been to Elevation Chop House? I have not. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. One of the one of the better ribeyes I've had in was my there? life. I'm actually starting yeah. to come around on... I, I was never out on ribeyes, but my whole thought process was I enjoyed New York strip steaks more than ribeyes, which in the meat community or anybody who enjoys steak, that's sacrilege to say right yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i think that's that comes down to the you know there's a lot higher levels of fat in the uh, ribeye yeah and there's that makes it more flavorful yeah <laughs> but i think to that point though i think a ribeye can be too marbled with fat and i agree and there's times I, where you're looking at her yeah it's like ah oh, and I'm so just eating fat <laughs> for yeah for me for my money's worth i think New York strip is kind of like the best bang for buck. You almost yep. know exactly what you're getting into every time. It's going to be a good cut of um, meat. You got that little fat strip on the side mm -hmm. that separates it from the bone. And then very consistent. Yes. But with ribeye, if you get a good one. Woohoo. Yeah. <laughs> ooh, quote Mike Tyson. Lord have mercy. Yeah. Yep. I actually made one last night. and that, Oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm making one tonight for dinner. Mine's yeah. actually a. Um, it's a porterhouse, so it's got the. Um, it's got both. Yeah, it's got the, it's got the um, strip, strip and, and the, the fillet on the other side. Or the fillet. Is it the fillet? Yeah, okay. the fillet. Mm -hmm. I know it's got, but it's got, like both together. Yeah. Um. Again, something that's sacrilege. I think fillet mignons are overrated, and that's almost something I'm not going to back down from. Like okay. I, <laughs> I'll admit that I came around on the ribeye fillet mignons. Eh, okay, for the price they are. Right. And for what you're getting, it's just like nope. Ribeye yeah. New York strips. That's yeah, yeah. that's my genre right there. God, I really wanna, I really wanna have like an incredible ribeye cut one day. Like I wanna know the farmer. Right. Do, does the farm you guys go to? Do they sell like they do? Do they, they sell just cuts or do they sell like half a cow? They well, it depends on like what they have in stock. But what what I looked at saw last week um, was mostly just beef chuck and. Um, ground beef so mm -hmm. they didn't really have a whole lot of steaks in there but previously i have purchased a ribeye from them and i thought it was one the way it looked in the package but it was actually two really just they were just small they weren't very big okay so it's um they were good it when i first went out to san francisco that's where i really had to sit back and think where your food comes from matters because before San Francisco, it's just like a ribeye is a ribeye. It doesn't matter whether it's grass fed, right. um, factory farmed, whatever. Yeah. And then I went to San just Francisco to the store and, you get it. Nice. and we went to this burrito place and in front of every ingredient, it's pretty much 
hey, we got the sour cream from the dairy from these cows that are down the road. We get our beef from these cows that are down the road. And everything was so local. And at that time, kind of like pizza, I wasn't super big in a Mexican. It was it was okay, but I wasn't, yeah. you know, Mexican's one of the top um, cuisines, I feel, in the world that people just absolutely love. And I had the biggest burrito I've ever had, like <laughs> bigger than Tacos La Villa. Wow. And I was just Monster. so full and Monster it was so goodness. good. And my friends are looking at me because my eyes are turning. They're like, what's going on? I was like, we're only here in San Francisco one more day. We're leaving in the morning. I'm debating whether it's worth me just going through the pain of eating another burrito and just sitting with the fullness and how full I am <laughs> because that burrito was so flavorful and I'm not sure when I'm going to get it again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's when I started um really subscribing to farm to table, where you get your food, how it's raised actually matters. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big, uh, big believer in that right now. And I, I, I mean, it may, may be forever for the rest of my life. We'll see what happens. I'm, I think this is probably the best I've felt ever yeah. in my life, just focusing on eating like what I eat. And I'm almost, since I've been focusing more on eating things like salmon and healthier options versus just like, oh, okay, well, this is a microwave lunch. I can make that, eat that, or let's go to Zaxby's. Let's go to Chick-fil-A. Let's go to uh, McDonald's or Burger King or something like that. It's, it is quick and easy and it's just, I'd never feel as good yeah. as I have now. Yeah, which goes back to, again, I need to, for me, put in the forefront of my mind, not trading off short-term gains or benefits for the long-term. Yep. And um, just reminding myself, oh, hey, we've got Chick-fil-A breakfast and I didn't make breakfast. And that's, I'll negotiate with myself. Be like, right. oh, we have Chick-fil-A breakfast. I didn't eat breakfast this morning. So, you know, you don't want to skip breakfast. And it's like, you'll be fine if you skip breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> We're fortunately not in one of those countries where we, we know where our next meal is going to be able to come from for the most part. You know, we're not under any dire food shortage or anything. We're very fortunate where we live and just need to tell myself not to trade the short term gains. And you're you're just a little uncomfortable. Yeah. That's fine. It, it'll it'll build you can character eat lunch in four hours. Yeah, it'll build less. character, you know, <laughs> and and that's the thing is if you do decide to um, you you don't have to get a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich if you go to Chick-fil-A. Right. They, they do have salads, they have, you know, they have salads, they have. Grilled chicken sandwich, which I'm still, you know, it's quote unquote the healthy option, but what's, yeah. what's in that? Yeah. You know, you, you got to look at the ingredients and go, is this actually healthier? Yeah. And I, I also, with myself and with my diet, I'll let perfect be the enemy of good. And what I mean by that was, I think on our walk on Friday, I was talking about, I'm just going to start lifting in the afternoon when I get off my other job and I'm just trying to figure out like, oh, should you, you know, eat your meal before you lift? And it's like, it may not maximize your lifts, but if you're still eating healthy and everything, you know, it's better than just eating McDonald's and not working out, you know? Absolutely. So that's what I, uh, that's what I got to start reminding myself and telling myself, but you know, one, one day at a time, it usually doesn't happen overnight, does it? No, it does not. Well, Alex, I don't really have any uh, bits or segments on my podcast, but one thing I do like to do at the end is just read off a quote, you know, just whether I get inspired by that certain quote or I have one okay. lined up for a guest, I just try and leave the listeners with 
something, something, something to take solid, away. Yeah. <laughs> so far, it's, you know, all been like, I'm, I'm a pretty positive person. So, again, part of the reason I did this podcast is I believe we're a lot closer together than we are farther apart in this world. Yeah. But if you look at mainstream media and news and social media, you'll probably come away with they a different paint, a different picture. But our walks are a great example of where. Myself, you, Cam, Jackson, Baxter, we all come from different walks of life, and we're able to just have conversations, hear each other out, and right. gain different perspectives. Yeah, and I think a lot of us face a lot of the same struggles. Yeah. So I'm going to leave you with this quote today and the listeners with this quote from Ed Sheeran. <clears throat> we could change this whole world with a piano. Add a bass, some guitar, grab a beat, and away we go. I'm just a boy with a one-man show, no university, no degree, but Lord knows everybody's talking about exponential growth and the stock market crashing in their portfolios. Well, I'll be sitting here with a song that I wrote, singing love could change this world in a moment, but what do I know? <laughs> That's a good one. What do I know? Alex, thank you so much for being guest number three on La Preston Guest. Absolutely. It's an honor. Love you, buddy. <laughs>